Welcome to Blue Collar Fitness. Your hosts are Trevor Powers, entrepreneur, athlete, and family man, Connor Burton, trainer, competitive bodybuilder, and kinesiologist, Josh Sargent, strength coach, graduate researcher, and educator. Blue Collar's mission is to bring reputable information to the masses. There's so much misinformation in the fitness industry. We want to shake things up and help you navigate the information to add value to your health, career, family life, and fitness goals. We hope you enjoy today's show. All right, everybody. Welcome to Blue Collar Fitness episode number 37. We have two very special guests on the show today. Connor and myself, uh, good friends, actually my old roommates, Stuart and Ashley, but they just recently did a competition. They dieted. I saw them day by day dieting for this show. Uh, what was it? 20 weeks, 20 weeks, 20 weeks. And they didn't kill each other. <laughs> so here's to. where we found out how. <laughs> so, so yeah, today we're going to talk about why Stuart and Ashley were able to not kill each other. 20 week prep, um, dieting for Ashley's very first figure comp, her very first show ever, and Stu's fourth. Uh, yes, this was number four. Fourth bodybuilding show. Third time I've done uh, Animal Cup now. So, so yeah. Charm. Spoiler alert Stuart won the whole thing. So, um, congratulations, man. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> fantastic. But, uh, dude, first of all, how did, uh, how did that make you feel, man? Well, um, I mean, you remember four, four and a half years ago now, you talked me into doing my first show, right. the Emerald Cup in 2017. And right when, we, when I got off stage, I was like, I'm hooked. And, I mean, it's been a lot of work to, you know, because I, I wasn't at the point where I could win that show, but I always wanted to. What did I get you into? Yeah, yeah. You, uh, <laughs> started quite the mess but uh yeah so i did it in 2019 after that after i put in a long off season put on a lot of muscle that i need to put on and did, i was about 214 in the heavyweights guys actually he's lying he's really small he's like 110 pounds <laughs> just don't tell him the video okay um <laughs> so yeah 2019 was like 214 ish pretty good condition and then this year i was 221 222 uh, much better conditioning this time, and I won the whole show. So it only took me three tries, but um, fantastic! It's, it's also really cool because I um, I grew up right around the where the show is up in Bellevue, Washington. So my parents were there, um, and it's you know it's close to as as close to a hometown show as I could get. So um, it, it felt pretty good. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the stomping grounds. The hometown win. Yeah, and you, as you know, um, we always go to IHOP after the show <laughs> three times in a row now. How many pancakes do you think you ate, Ash? God, it was probably like a dozen. <laughs> <laughs> it That's just, it? It wasn't just pancakes either. Was, uh, I, I did it the same number on myself that I did when you know you and I went. <laughs> right. <laughs> I a lot of pain afterwards. <laughs> I was able to see the one that you did two weeks before Emerald, right? Was, that, was it two weeks before or a month before? The, the show. The, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was um, three weeks before that. Three weeks before. Yeah. I had a wedding I had to go to um, during the. Was it a. 
something important I had to go to your grandfather. Yeah. Oh yeah, so, my grand. That's right. That that's so much. That's what it was. Yeah, my grandfather passed, but uh, not to put a damper on the show here. But uh, yeah, that was. I was sad I couldn't be there. But I saw this guy put down a pretty solid amount of pancakes. Uh, how how was the <laughs> pump in the gym the next day? Pretty good. I actually held on to. I actually probably did better than me. I held on to all that bloat for like. A week and a half afterwards, <laughs> I started freaking out because I didn't. Soon after you had your your photo shoot, right? Uh, that was that was a couple of weeks after the Emerald Cup. So I did the Vancouver at the beginning of April, and then April twenty third, three weeks later, was the uh, Emerald Cup. And then yeah, I did a couple of photo shoots after that, which was really weird. I'd never done a photo shoot before, but um, <laughs> the, the the photographers were really good. They they walked me through everything, so. Didn't make an ass of myself. Now we get to the important questions, though. Mm. Who's the better singer? <laughs> Honestly, neither of us sing. Really? Um, Not in the shower? Um, sometimes I'll, I'll sing along to, like, metal. Oh, but it's really go. more like screaming. Oh. You know, but only if I'm alone in my car. Gotcha. The window down. I hope nobody sees. Yeah, we have to have the music <laughs> so loud to where you can't hear either, the, either of us singing while we're in the car. You just hear the music, so... We just kind of mouth the words, whatever, and bob our head up and down. <laughs> Who's the better cook? Obviously me. Definitely. Uh, yeah, <laughs> is very plain and simple. He will season his food. Sometimes. Nothing special. Uh, he did get into a phase. Labor where God. He, You're pretty good. That's pretty good shit. <laughs> he did marinate his chicken while we were living with Josh uh, with like cilantro and what was the... It was a cilantro lime with a little bit of... Uh, I think pepper, but it did turn the chicken breast green. So it kind of looked like I remember that it was tasty. It, it was really good, right? It tasted good, but it did now not you just look good. Boil it and microwave it and not even salt or pepper it. Just eat, just blend it, put it in the blender, boiled chicken. <laughs> so I came over one evening and, and Sue was cooking like a, like an entire, it looked like an entire vat of like 10 pounds of chicken with like the whole produce section of cilantro i was like dude <laughs> what is that cilantro and this and that and it was like a few ingredients so i was like that's a good idea for prep oh yeah uh, all you do is blend up the entire cilantro bunch stems and everything yeah, into I, a nutribullet that was josh's <laughs> i ruined it that's okay <laughs> I, I bought a i, I bought a vitamix app not a vitamix a, a ninja after that because i actually ruined it as well. well i had two two uh blenders between all three of us, we ruined those blenders and I bought a ninja. The main culprit was the protein ass cream. Like, yeah, <laughs> you put that stuff was thick guar gum and ice, <laughs> a lot of guar gum and ice and a little bit of protein and a little bit of almond milk <laughs> into so, a guy who already has bad digestion. Yeah. <laughs> so there had, to, there, there had to have been a lot of fun, funny moments like during prep and like all that. So I'm sure you guys use a lot of humor to kind of get past those times. Who do the both of you think is funnier? I would say Stuart is more witty and provocative. I don't uh, really take a lot gets seriously. The people going. It gets the people going. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, I, I tried not to take the whole thing too seriously. Cause like, I don't know if, if you're always like, Oh, I got to work my ass off and stuff. Like, you have to do that, right? But if that's all you think about all day, it's just going to turn you into kind of a negative person. So I try to take everything in stride and yeah, be, I agree. be cheerful. Because, you know, right. I actually definitely had to work 
harder than I did where it was her first show. She had to, she had to really bust her ass. Um, yeah, so definitely uh, so. suffered earlier on than Stuart did in my opinion. I need a little bit. I need to be a little bit of comic relief between the two of us. Stewie. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you know, going off of like not taking stuff too seriously, like that was one of the things that so Ashley had been with me uh, during the prep for my 2019 show and she was super supportive. Right. But she had never done it herself. So she didn't really understand what I was going through this time. She was like in the shit with me. Right. And that made it like, honestly, it made our relationship much stronger. This sounds totally counterintuitive, right? We're supposed to be hungry and angry at each other and fighting and whatever, but it just didn't happen. Like we, we took everything in stride with each other. If we were short with each other, we understood why. And, you know, it, on the whole, it was a very positive experience. And I was, I was scared that it wouldn't be. Originally. Yeah. I would say the biggest thing when in prep with your significant other is communication is so important. Um, and before we even started the prep, we really sat down and had a serious discussion um, you know, we knew it was going to be hard and there were going to be good days and also plenty of not so good days. Um, but just knowing that if one person was a little angry or you just have to realize like, okay, they're probably just tired or hungry. And usually that was the case. Like Stuart and I only had maybe two disagreements the whole time. Would you say Stuart? Yeah, I mean, it, we we knew that we were both coming from a good place and we had good intentions. And sometimes, you know, the fatigue and everything gets the better of you. You say something you might not mean. And, you know, as the other part of that equation, you have to not take stuff personally. And I think we did a pretty good job of that. Right. You have to be very mindful of what the other person is going through. And eventually you just get so tired at the end that you just, don't don't have the energy to, <laughs> to, yeah, to fight I mean, or anything. So um, sit there and listen. But seriously, like w I was, I was really you know pleasantly surprised. I thought this would be a lot more stressful on the relationship, but it was quite the opposite. Yeah, you hear a lot of horror stories about people prepping together as a couple, and we really didn't want to be in that category. I guess you could say. But um, yeah, and I think another reason why you hear so many horror stories is because. Um, a lot of physique athletes, you know, the type of people that the sport attracts, <laughs> they're, they're, they're a little bit, they want to be the star of their own show. Right. And if there's two stars of one show, you can't really have that. Right. But this was, it was, we, we treated it more like a team effort rather than a fighting over the spotlight kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Like the other person isn't your competition. And one thing I think that was good for my first show with Stuart. Us both doing the Emerald Cup, it's usually a two-day show. Um, for all you listeners out there, the Emerald Cup is the biggest show in the Pacific Northwest. So I think that's all of Oregon, Washington, Idaho. Um, it's a huge show, and it's usually two days. So luckily, I competing in figure, I went the day before Stuart, and he went the following day. So I had my own day to really shine and just have, you know, soak up all the attention and every moment. Um, so I think that was good. Uh, I picked that show. We both had like our own days to 
um, shine. Yeah, and uh, it was also good because Ashley forgot a bunch of shit like when she was backstage, so I had to barge back there and give her rice cakes and honey. and <laughs> That's some important stuff. I got in trouble with like the guy running the door because yeah. I kept on running past him. He's like, dude, you can't fucking do that. <laughs> I think but it, I got her stuff, so. I think it really speaks to the quality of y'all's relationship and how you guys um, are are great for each other as a couple because, you know, trials by fire either bring people apart or you know break them apart absolutely and you know you see you saw that probably with multiple people in the pandemic you know they have to spend too much time together (laughs) sometimes (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) they're not distracted by work or whatever and you know the relationship disintegrates so just like anything else um either the relationship was gonna get better or it was going to get worse and it seems like you guys showed up on the other side of this show um for the better or and came out of it as as a stronger couple yeah i won't lie like i definitely saw this as a bit of a litmus test for ashley like can she do you know can she oh, walk damn. the walk yeah <laughs> and she passed with flying colors like i said she was working harder than me <laughs> workout session <laughs> i can't hear what you're doing but <laughs> she, or anything i just she got a drum plan. roll and applause <laughs> so uh you know i had to prove to myself that i was capable of doing it and i wanted to follow the plan to a t so i did everything my coach asked and you know part of me maybe proved to Stuart that i could do it and mostly to myself I know this question wasn't on the uh, outline I gave you guys, but how was working with blue? Um, I've seen a lot of blue in um, social media lately, some really awesome client results coming out. And then also hearing him on some different podcasts. How how did you guys enjoy that experience? Uh, I can't speak highly enough of him. Um, I mean, just going off what we were just talking about, he was coaching both of us during this, this prep, right? So he was, he mostly just spoke to us individually. Right. But like, um, for example, after the Vancouver show, we went and got pancakes. Right. And that was, it was really fun. It was a little reward for winning the show. And Ashley, she really wanted to have that meal with me. Cause you know, she'd been dieting for like 17 weeks at that point, something like that. So, uh, she was like, she killed herself all week so she could earn that meal. She was like eating zero carbs the whole time. And, um, and, the fact that we had the same coach kind of facilitated stuff like that. And he was, he came out to see us at the gym at O'Malley's, uh, you know, every once in a while, which was, you know, I, you know, we're, we're very fortunate to get that kind of treatment from him because he's, he's local here, but he's got a ton of clients all over the place. Right. So um, he, he made the time for us and came out to see us in person, which is, you know, very valuable as uh, for a coach to do. Um, and, just compared to what I've experienced in the past, as far as like working with a coach, I just worked with one another in the past, but like I, you know, he was like, he's up all the time. He's like answering your questions. As soon as you send it to him, you're checking in with him every single morning, all these little details, they may be overkill for somebody at a lower level, but you know, as you get into the higher levels of bodybuilding and you know, if you really want to nail a look and figure, for example, with Ashley, that's what it takes especially right. in the last couple of weeks, you know, so. 
Um, yeah, so expanding a little bit more about what Stuart said, uh, we really did our research on Blue before we hired him. And, you know, like Stuart said, this coach has hundreds of clients, but he made the time for us to come out and see us in his busy day and give us one-on-one -on -one attention at our gym just to see us pose, how we were looking in person. This guy always spoke with us on the phone at least once a week, if not more, whenever we needed to. This guy has just been... Wow, that's some good, that's some good communication. Yeah, great communication. Um, I couldn't be more happy with choosing him as my coach for my first prep. That sounds... Um, that's really, really some good feedback because you hear about some of these big time coaches with big names and <laughs> you've been watching his podcast, haven't you? I, I haven't watched. You haven't. No, oh, I, I've okay. heard him interviewed on some other podcasts, but, um, and there have so many clients, you know, maybe they're super knowledgeable and they're super talented coaches, but they get so many clients that they can't give the attention to detail or I, you know, I see it myself as a trainer. I'm at a point right now where I don't accept any more clients currently. If I have somebody drop off, I'll bring somebody back on. But if I take on any other personal training clients, I'm not going to have enough, not only physical, but emotional energy to put into that client to make it fair to bring on a new client because it wouldn't be fair to my current clients because I'm not going to be able to give them the attention that they deserve. Yeah. I mean, that's because you have integrity, right? Um, that's a rare thing in the fitness industry. Um, I'm, I'm going to channel my inner blue tailor a little bit cause he loves to harp on this shit, but he, you know, there, there's a lot of, you know, very well-known renowned coaches out there who they charge through the nose. They have a couple of very good clients who are professionals or high level amateurs, and that's their marketing material. They coach those guys for free. And they give them drugs. They, they like basically make their lives easy so that they can have good marketing material. And then, you know, somebody like me or like an average level competitor who goes and hires like, let's just say Matt Jansen, for example, um, you know, they're not going to get any attention. They're going to get an email back for their check-in a week later. You know, this bullshit is very, very common. And you don't hear about it because nobody has the balls to speak up. And, you know, maybe, maybe you just think it's normal to hear a check-in, you know, to get a check-in back after a week, right? Because you don't know any better. You haven't experienced like an actual good coach. Um, but it's really common. And it, it, the, the reason why it's, it's super lucrative, you know, for, for somebody to have a couple of studs that they show off to the world. And then they, especially if you have, the, you know, those top pros that, claim or maybe they don't claim but it seems as if on social media they're a pro creator or whatever yeah and that's if that's all you ever see you don't see the 95 percent of their other clients who look like shit feel like shit have health problems that's the big thing you know if, if, if you're a bad coach and you don't know how to get somebody in shape that's one thing but if you're pushing drugs on to the point where their kidneys fail or like they have heart problems like that's not okay uh, that's another thing that happens a lot and nobody talks about, but um, <laughs> rant over, but um, blue, uh, he, like I said, he loves to harp on that kind of shit and he is the antithesis of it. Um, in my experience with him, at least blue um, isn't afraid to call out bad coaches and he, um, he has no filter. He's, he's getting even less and less of a filter <laughs> as he, uh, 
as he gets more out there. And so he's like our friend Lee Priest we had on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, a little, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very genuine he's actually, and real. Uh, he was actually acquainted with Lee Priest way back in the day, you know, mid-2000s. He used to know each other, I think, so. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, a couple of real short dudes, good bodybuilders. But <laughs> you hear about. Real short jack dudes. Some exactly. of the uh, some of the coaches jacking their um, figure girls up with a bunch of T three, and then they're ruined, and they can never get lean that lean again. You know, this, but it makes the coach look fantastic because they get this girl absolutely just shredded on their mm-hmm. their first show, and then they drop off. Yeah, you see those transformation photos on Instagram, for example, and a coach may have you know, a whole bunch of photos from different female clients. And it's just like a client spotlight, um, just a highlight reel of their most, I guess, um, biggest transformation female clients. And you see those transformation photos and, and you don't see them ever again. You know, something may not may have may have went wrong after that prep. Maybe just like Josh said, they couldn't bounce back after all those hormone fluctuations. Um, the mental and emotional trauma trauma from prep. <laughs> yeah, right um, it's very hard to come back from. I think bodybuilding in its own way has to be, if not the most, one of the most mentally taxing, um, challenging sports there is because a lot of other sports, if you had a weak moment and you ate an Oreo or a cheeseburger, it might actually make you better at your sport, right? Because you might have a little, you know, you might do a little bit better in that powerlifting meet, even if you have to be in a weight class or a boxing match, right? Um, but with bodybuilding, it what you put in your body is a representation of what your body composition is going to be on that stage. Where do you guys individually, I want to hear both of your answers here, get your drive um, to do bodybuilding? What What is what is rewarding about this sport and what, what do you get out of it and what makes you want to continue? So for me, I have been lifting for almost six years now consistently. Um, but of those six years, I was mostly a yo-yo dieter. You could say, um, this last year has been my most consistent year, um, with nutrition. So really I've only been truly bodybuilding for, almost a year now and seeing such little progress over those past five years really just made me angry. Like, wow, looking at photos of myself, I have, I thought I would be a lot further along by this point. Um, and that motivated me to really focus on my nutrition. And, um, I did have a short little off season before my prep. Um, it was only four months long. But during that time, I did get myself in a good position to start my prep. Um, I was just so ready to get on stage for the first time. I had always wanted to get on stage, but again, I was a yo-yo dieter and I made excuses for why I was not on top of my nutrition. And I was just tired of looking like shit, honestly. (laughs) And I really wanted to push myself and see what I was capable of. So that alone... Really, I was determined to get on stage um, and follow the plan to a T and bring my best physique that I could possibly do. Um, So just having that determination and discipline my entire prep 
really paid off on show day. Finally got tired of spinning your wheels. I was kind of in the same place, you know, four or five years ago. Um, I mean, I did that first show, right? Um, and then I did another show three or four months after that, and it was a train wreck. I'm sure you remember. That was the first time I ever... This was your fifth show. No, this was my... No, no, I mean, we said before you did four. You've actually done no, five. No, I've done four. I've done four. So I did the Emerald Cup of 2017, and they did the Battle for the Eagle in, like, October of 2017. Right. Four or five months later. And then you did Emerald Cup the... Second time. Right. So, but and like between, between the, the two 2017 shows, there's like five months. Right. And that was when I first started taking gear and I was like, my diet was mediocre to poor to a mess. You Dude, know? I didn't see you. Yeah. I, so I didn't see this guy. So I, I went with him to the show. I helped him like put the tan on, like <laughs> you did gave him though. like the old, <laughs> like <oil> up. <laughs> classic, you know, you know, take a shot of whiskey and some espresso to dry out a little bit for, as a diuretic. Yep. And, um, you know, he was, he was in pretty good shape, but his, your structure carried you in that show mostly, you know, cause you had good structure. Yeah. And you, you kind of tell that I could be decent at bodybuilding. You had, you had for sure a lot of potential. Right. But, so, I mean, at that point I decided to, you know, I was like, okay, I like this sport. I want to do it. That means right. you have to take drugs. So I started taking drugs and I started taking every drug I could get my hands on. But I didn't see you for three weeks. So I saw this guy three weeks after the show on the, on stage, he had to be under 185 because I was like 183, yeah. 183 on stage. I saw the guy like three weeks later, you had to be 230. Yeah. And that was about 20 pounds of water and bloat. I was like, holy fuck. (laughs) This guy's name is beef stew for a reason. Well, I was, I was, I was binging for about two and a half weeks. And I got on hormones. You had right cankles. Oh, God, it was awful. Yeah, I that do was... remember seeing Stuart. Uh, for all you listeners out there, <laughs> Stuart and I met at the gym at our um, college rec center. And yep. <laughs> this is before we were dating. But I do remember seeing Stuart at the gym just like full of water, just like total I'm sorry, Stuart, but bloat, bloat face, water buffalo, <laughs> huge. Just like Josh said, like I, I couldn't believe how much weight. You are another human. Yeah, because how was many not pounds is that? Fifty pounds in three weeks. Yeah, it was like forty. It was it was painful. Uh, not healthy. It's super unhealthy. at all. But anyways, so I between that 2017 Emerald Cup and the next show I did, like five months later. I was taking a lot of drugs and I was not following a diet. My training was pretty hard. It's always been pretty hard. Um, but like I, I was, by the time I got to that show, I didn't look good. I was not in shape and I was on a lot of gear and I was kind of like afterwards I looked at myself. I was like, I was disgusted with myself. I was like, I thought this would carry me and make, you know, I thought the drugs were going to make me a better bodybuilder. I couldn't stick to a diet for like two or three days in a row. Um, so anyways, after that, I was like, okay, got to reset here. And if I want to actually be good at this sport, I need to be meticulous and, you know, count stuff and track stuff and follow a meal plan all year round to make, you know, consistent progress. And between like the tw- beginning of 2018 and that show I did in 2019, which is about six months or 18 months or so. I put on a shitload of muscle because I was like progressive with my food, progressive with my training. I was much more moderate with the drugs I was using. And it 
like, so you're like, holy shit, I look like a bodybuilder. Yeah. I started to look like a real bodybuilder kind of. Um, and to get back to your question, like, why was I doing it? Like, that's when I found my reason why, like I need a, something consistent. Like I need consistency in my life. Cause I'm not a naturally organized person. Bodybuilding gives me that. And it gave me like progress to track. Like when I, when I'm in the gym, I usually try and progress my weights and reps and try and get stronger. Cause I think that's a good way to build muscle. It's not, not too complicated, but it works pretty good. Um, and I need that kind of incremental type of progress and, you know, progress between shows. Like I was this much heavier, um, at this show versus this show and better condition or whatever, you know? Um, and that's at this point, I mean, why do I keep doing it? I don't know any other way to function besides eating five, six meals a day and training. Like that's just what I, I, I was thinking about it. I've been thinking about it recently. Like I, I couldn't really live like a normal person. That would be so foreign and weird to me to eat like that and not exercise and stuff. But so it's just, it's just kind of what I, what I am now, which it makes it a lot easier as well. If it's that's just what you do. Part of your identity, it's who you are. You get fulfillment out of it. You enjoy it. Yeah. And you see a few, you see a future. Yeah. And more recently in like in the last couple of months, since I did this most recent show, like, just like you said, I've started to see like, okay, maybe I could actually take this sport somewhere. Um, and maybe I could actually not, not make money off of it, but maybe I could go pro. Um, I mean, nobody really makes a living off of competing exclusively, but, um, you know, I, I don't, I never put the cart before the horse, but I'm starting to believe that I might be able to get to a pretty high level in the sport, but you know, who knows, just have to keep on working until, until we get there. So, yeah, I think the human body is an amazing thing and seeing progress week by week is really addicting and knowing that you checked off all those boxes, you got enough sleep, drank enough water, nailed your meal plan, crushed your workout. At the end of the week, you see that in your photos, like, holy shit, my body is changing and it's really addicting. And that really propels you forward. I feel like you've learned a lot, Ashley. What was kind of one of the most shocking things or moments about this process with your prep? Uh, to answer that, <laughs> so I had always heard from other people who had done preps before. One day, it's just going to hit you. You're going to be in prep, and it's just going to slap you in the face. Holy shit. I am in prep. I am depleted. I am tired. I am hungry. And that day hit me <laughs> at some point in my prep. I think I was uh, probably like six weeks out, six or seven weeks out. Um, but feeling those emotions and going through that, I knew I was making progress. Um, it's also a lot harder because it was her first time. You know, she, she didn't really know when she was going to hit that wall. Um, I've done it a few times before, so I kind of knew it was going to be around like four to six weeks out. You really start feeling like crap, but it kind of, it went, it went from Ashley is hungry to like, Ashley is a very tired mess. (laughs) Angry. It's a, no, not even that. It's just exhaustion constantly, you know? I think a lot of people don't understand what it takes to lean out and really get in shape 
they think, oh, if I feel bad, something must be wrong or I'm doing it wrong or this is not right. No, like your body does not want to get that lean because it thinks there might be, it's a famine and you're trying to survive. And honestly, if you want to get stage lean, you're going to feel like shit for a while. It just is what it is. Your body is really fighting against you every single day and you're feeding it less and less food as time goes on. And you really need to push um, the closer you get into your prep. And when I hit seven weeks out and really had those emotions hit me all at once, I knew that I just had to keep going. Like I've, I've come this far. I've done 13 weeks. I have seven to go. Why stop now? Um, yeah, I uh, actually did a, I, I was I was worried that when we hit that wall, and it was going to be about the same time for both of us when we really started to, to feel it, I was worried she might crack, but I just have to give her a compliment. Like she, um, she didn't complain for this whole time. Like she, she was tired. She told me she was tired and stuff, but she didn't, she didn't break down in tears. You know, there was no melodramatics. It was just like, she was just a robot. Um, Yeah. I I really didn't want to let my coach down or Stuart, but more importantly, I didn't want to let myself down. I didn't want to get on stage and be up there and know or think about like, wow, what could have I have done different or what do I regret not doing? Um, but I got up on that stage knowing that I completely aced my plan, happy with what I brought. You had no regrets. You left no stone unturned. No regrets. <laughs> None. <laughs> if you guys could give a four minute elevator speech. To someone, minutes that's a lot of talking. Someone who's between the two of you, um, (laughs) to someone who's on the fence about competing, like they're a gym bro or a you know, a gym girl who really likes working out and they're thinking about competing and they're thinking about getting serious. What would you guys give uh, them as some, some advice or some things to think about before stepping into this arena? A huge piece of advice, um, pretty self explanatory. You probably hear a lot that competing is very expensive. You need to have the funds. And honestly, you truly need to have a coach. And coaches are not cheap. Um, yeah, it's, it's got to be important enough for you. It, it, it's got to be important enough to you to justify the expense. And not just the money, but, you know, it's going to impact your ability to do your job, your ability to, you know, spend time with your your friends and family. Um, now, if you come at it from a positive state of mind, like I did a much better job at this, this, this go around with this prep. Like I was in a much better, happier state of mind for most of the prep because I chose to be, and I didn't want to take out any of the negativity that I was feeling on people. So you don't have to let the shittiness spread. That's that's very immature if you let that happen. Yeah, bodybuilding is a very selfish sport, as you know. Um, but you do need to be mindful of how you carry yourself when you're tired and you're depleted um, and you're giving off negative energy. People can feel that around you. And you just have to be mindful and positive as much as you can, even when you're having hard days. Because uh, people really take note of that and they do remember that. Yeah, it's 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 very it, like like Ashley said, it's a selfish sport, but you don't have to be self like you have to you know, get your meals in, train, 
so on and so forth. So maybe you don't make it to a birthday party, right? But you don't, that doesn't mean you get to be a dick to people. Um, and it's sometimes easy to rationalize, well, I'm doing this very hard thing. They need to put up with me. You know, I'm, I'm doing, I'm better than them. I've, I've been in that state of mind before and it's, it's, it's a childish way to look at it because you chose to do it. Nobody else should be negatively affected by this choice that you made. Yeah. To expand um, a little bit more on that, um, bodybuilding really is a privilege. It's your choice to diet for a show. This is your choice. Nobody is forcing you to do this. So you need to really remember that. That's some, that's some fantastic perspective. I think a lot of competitors get a really bad reputation because we can be assholes. Oh yeah. Yeah. And especially when we're prepping for a show, we be, we get a reputation for being assholes in the gym. Like I've seen this multiple times where somebody who's competing for a show is like, it just, you can just tell that they think they deserve the bench press way more <laughs> than the guy <laughs> who doesn't compete deserves the bench press. Cause I'm competing and I'm getting ready for a show. So screw you, dude, get off, get the fuck off the bench press, you know, or, you know, like, this is my cardio equipment, you know? <laughs> I can yes. definitely relate to that. Uh, I I wouldn't fight people for the Stairmaster, but <laughs> at the gym, I was that person peeking around the corner to see if it was available. And if somebody was on it that I knew was not prepping for a show, it honestly, it did tick me off a little bit, but I, you know, quickly checked myself like, okay, this person is here for a different reason. They're focusing on their own fitness goals. Um, I need to be patient and wait my turn. But with like what your question was, what's our speech for people who might be thinking about getting into this? Um, I think Ashley is on the same page as me with, in regards to this, but like, I don't do half measures, you know, like after that first show that I did and you were kind of helping me with my diet a little bit, that was a bit of a half ass prep. But after that, I was like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm being a bodybuilder. If you choose to do it, don't cheat on your diet. Like, don't half-ass your workouts. Do everything you're supposed to. If if you need to hire a coach, then hire a coach. You know, I think it's a really good choice. Make sure you get a good one, right? But I mean, if do if you're going to do something, do it or don't bother. Absolutely. Like if you're investing all this time and money into bodybuilding and doing your first competition, um, you need to nail your plan from your coach. It's a huge time investment. I think people need to realize as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is very important. Think yes. about the commute to and from the gym. Plus your cardio time is going to be going up most likely as you're getting closer to prep. Um, some people are doing 75, 80, 90 minutes of cardio a day, right? Yeah, I actually got up there. Yeah. So think about it. If it takes you 50 minutes to get through your weights and then another 90 minutes to get through your cardio. It takes you 30 minutes to get to the gym and 30 minutes to get home. Plus, you have to prep all your meals. And you're working a full-time job, and by the way. And you're working a full-time job. Because we're not professionals. We don't get paid to do this. We you know, we have to get up at 4.30 in the morning right. to do our cardio and then go to work. And Yeah, you're right. There's 24 hours in a day, right? and that's just not enough to do all of it most yeah, of the time. Yeah, it's a huge time <laughs> commitment, and you have to be really willing to put in the time and it is selfish, so you may miss out on some things, um, but just know that. Yeah, just, I mean, it, think it about it. it yeah. just, like, if you're enhanced, too, and you're getting ready for a show, think about all the extra supplements you're going to have to take throughout the day. Oh, God. 
Like I, that's a huge time I suck felt, right there. I felt like a pincushion at some points in my prep. <laughs> and you have to take a lot of you know health measures too to, to be able to oh, sure, yeah. I probably, sure your markers are on. I you know? I uh I probably spend more money on health supplements than I do on drugs, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I um it's and it's it's reflected very well in my blood work, but yeah, that's another thing to consider if you're enhanced. And you know, more to the like we're talking about doing a prep right now, but you know, like I said, don't do anything half-assed. I see a lot of people, especially at the local level, I'd say probably like 80% of the competitors, they only do this like six months out of the year. And the, the rest of the time, like they, they're just normal people, which is fine. Right. But you know, they, they don't really make much progress year to year. And they don't really get in crazy good condition when they get on stage because they they were a fat slob, for lack of a better word, in their off-season. Their, their off-season is literally like an off-season. Like, they don't train. They don't eat properly. Like, they're not taking any drugs, which, which is a fine choice. But most people are not going to ma- be able to make progress without that. Um, and I, I always, when I see that, I kind of scratch my head. Like, you're for like four months out of the year during this prep or whatever you're, you know, they might nail it. They might actually get in good shape, but like why? So that you can get second place at a local show. Like it it, it definitely what their approach is probably healthier than what I do perhaps. Um, But it's also going to lead nowhere. So, So I kind of think of that segment of competitors as like, Weekend Warriors. Weekend, yeah, right. They're like the rec. Probably, be- the rec sorry, probably better something. off doing a photo shoot. Vacation bodybuilders. Yeah. I mean, some which people- is, is fine. That you know, they 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 fund the vast majority of the sport. Um, I mean, like <laughs> 70, 80 percent of the people are they compete like that, um, and you know, shows are expensive to put on, and all those entry fees go towards something, right? It's not just going in the promoter's pocket; it keeps the sport alive, but. Um, I would recommend people who are thinking about getting into this. Don't be that guy, <laughs> you know, right. Try and make progress year on year. Um, be intelligent about your approach, figure out what works for you. And just have, if, if you're not going to do it year round, just don't, bother, you know, um, this, I, I just don't see the, the benefit of getting that negative health hit and all the sacrifice that it takes out of, you know, for the, five, six months out of the year that you do do it if you're not going to progress year on year. Right. So you really have to, um, I actually took these words from, I believe it was Alyssa Blessing, who's been a guest on this podcast, but you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And when you're in prep, you're dieting, you're not comfortable. When you're in your off season, that's when the most progress is made, right? You're also going to be uncomfortable then because you're pushing food and you're pushing training. But those results are going to pay off when you're on stage. Yeah, I'm nobody, with the rare exception of a couple of very gifted people, like Sean Roden comes to mind, Phil Heath, you know. Kevin Lavroni. Kevin Lavroni, yeah. You you know, people who just blow up and have great shape and tie ins. Right. They they take half the year off um, and they totally clean out. They just live like normal people mostly. And then in a 20 week prep, they can go from looking like, you know, an average muscular guy to some of the best people in the world. I can't do that. <laughs> you know, one in not, a million. Yeah. Most, almost nobody can do that. Um, 
So if you do actually want to take it seriously, you know, take it seriously all the time. Um, that doesn't, you know, I'll have like, that doesn't mean I never eat cheat meals in the off season. You know, I, what I had like a pizza last weekend, right? We shared a large pizza. We shared a pizza. It was excellent. Some ice cream. (laughs) No regrets. A lot, a lot of ice cream, but you know, that's, that's one meal out of, I mean, what, 35 or 40 during the whole week. So I can, I can justify that. That's like a 97%. That's better, better grade than I ever got in school. That's for damn sure. (laughs) 4.0. Yeah, that's pretty good. Right. Um, so like, and you know, we were able to go and visit our family, uh, right now. We couldn't have done that in prep. You know, we can just pack up all our food. We can go down the road, uh, maybe miss a day of training. It's not going to kill you, but you know, if it's one day, it's fine. If it's, you know, half your workouts for the week, you're not going anywhere. Um, and we still bring all of our food with us. We oh, still yeah. follow our meal plan. If we go on a weekend trip, pack your rice cookers. Oh yeah. You guys must have a cooler of some sort. Yeah. We got to like couple, bend or whatever. We have a couple of coolers. We have yeah. like five coolers probably. <laughs> it's like one of those stupid things that you buy when you're dieting. It's like, oh yeah, that'll come in handy. Oh, that you meal have prep bag. Of them, you know, you buy in. You, <laughs> just, uh, we have a lot of coolers, so we're, we're set in that department, but, um, I've, I've, as we've gotten further and further into it, Ashley's gotten much better at this too. Like it, you just get used to packing up all your food with you and your scale and your rice cooker. And you know, if you need, you can, you can make it work, you know? Yeah. If you don't you do those things, it. you're setting yourself up for failure. Do you guys um, research your own training programs or does blue do all of your programming? So during my prep, all of my training was directly from Blue. I have followed a training uh, split from him, um, Stuart. Yeah, so what I was, I've been training, uh, if anybody's familiar with like. Dog crap? Uh, I did dog crap for a little bit, but um, kind of in the same vein, uh, if anybody knows who Jordan Peters is, not Jordan Peterson, not the, not the Canadian like author. Jordan Peters is downsized. Yeah, well, he's still fucking huge, but he's still bigger than, bigger <laughs> he's a bodybuilder in the UK. Gigantic, um, but the way that he trains, where he, you know he'll the the goal is progressive overload, um, relatively low volume, hundred uh, percent intensity on everything. That's kind of how I've been training for the last three or four years, and it's worked very well for me. Um, and so going into the prep, Blue looked at that and he was like, "Okay, this is working pretty good for you. I'm not going to flip it on its head." He added in some extra sets for my arms and my arms benefited from that. They need a little more volume. So um, that was a nice little improvement, but otherwise like I've basically been training the same for years now. Um, and it, I, I think as we push into this off season, cause I have, a, I have, I want to put on a lot of muscle between now and the next time I get on stage next year. So we're, we're probably going to, change training a little bit probably add a little more volume to legs um so you need to get those freaky big um and my back training is it's it's i think it's good right now but i I definitely need to sit down with with blue at some point and talk through what he thinks would be good to improve it um what do you think is going to be involved in terms of nutrition supplements besides the training 
for me in a couple weeks here, I'm just lo losing hopefully a few more pounds. It's mostly just water retention right now um, to get my, once my body weight is a little bit lower, uh, Blue and I are planning on bumping up the food, um, lowering the cardio and pushing the weight. So I'm going to be eating a lot more food. I'm still hungry between meals currently. Um, but right now I was mostly focusing on, uh, food control, uh, with blue and I have been getting better. Um, everyone struggles with this post show differently. Um, and I had a harder time than most people like Stuart did. It wasn't really a harder time than most people. I, I didn't have a tough time with it this time, but like I, what we were talking about earlier, like the first show I did, I binged for two or three weeks. It was right. horrible. Yeah, and I so put on a shitload of weight. 50 pounds almost. Yeah. And that's, that's what a lot of people's first rebounds are like. Like I actually had a rough first one and it's, it's so it goes. You know? Yeah. So seeing all that uh, weight fluctuation and the water retention, it's, it's hard to look at in the mirror and you really feel down on yourself. Um, so I'm still working on, um, we think you look eating. jacked. You look jacked. Pretty jacked. <laughs> Definitely have more you of a pump. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think a lot of people understand what hungry is. You hear people all the time say, Ooh, I'm hungry. Dude, you ate breakfast like three hours ago. Yeah, they ago. just don't know how to eat and they have shitty blood sugar. They like, have like low blood sugar and they're like, cranky, shut up. Right? Shut up. <laughs> Imagine having low blood sugar for like months. Right. Going <laughs> hypo, actually about to like pass out because you're, you're, you're dieted down so low, your, your body thinks you're dying. And then you, open the floodgates after the show when you're in single digit body fat or like right. 10 or 12 as a woman, you know? Yeah. So during, during prep, you're so used to telling yourself when to eat. You know, I had seven meals a day. They're all spaced out about two and a half hours. Um, so that was when my next meal was, was two and a half hours later. I had to wait for the next meal. You're used to telling your body when it can eat after the show. You're just, out of control and almost so mental freedom. Yeah. So you're not used to listening to those hunger cues. So your brain is telling you, wow, like this food is great. Keep going. It's kind of like your animal brain. Like you yeah. need more food. You're malnourished, eat more, but your stomach is telling you, ow, I'm in pain. Ow, Please ow, stop. Ow, ow, ow. <laughs> Inflammation. We're bloated. Your hands yeah. are swelling. So <laughs> you're just oh, out oh, of, I got We got to talk about time. the, to chow. <laughs> You're just out of practice listening to those hunger cues. So that's something I'm still working on is listening to my body when it's full and when to stop. Yeah. And I, I'll still like, I had a, I had a hell of a time the first week after the show for sure. But it, it was the second week I was eating like five out of six meals every day were my regular diet meals by then. And then three weeks later, after the show, like I was basically back on the plan. And if I wanted something, I'd go eat it. But like, it wasn't out of control at that point. I don't have a crazy big appetite. Um, it's, I've always struggled to put on weight um, in the sport, but I also, I also have a pretty fast metabolism. So like that first couple of weeks after the show of, you know, binging and eating crap um, didn't do a lot of damage to me. Um, I mean, my stomach was distended, right? Well, but like I didn't, you know, get super fat. Um, a smaller person with less muscle mass and a slower metabolism 
like for example, Ashley, this is her first first rebound, right? You just pile on more fat, and I did the first time as well. Um, you're she was in really good condition though, um, and if if you don't get all the way lean, you're not really going to utilize all the food after the show quite as well. Um, so I think it would have been worse if she'd not been in shape and then started binging. Um, and I, I was also in really good condition for this show. So it, it didn't like, I actually, ne- I think I probably needed to get my body fat up to a point where I could train hard again with decent weights. And then like, I really started burning through the calories pretty easy. And, um, I think, so I competed at 221 and up to, I'm up to 255 now Damn. in eight, eight and a half weeks. It's eight, been eight and a half weeks now. So, um, I, that's, it's a little heavier than I was at the beginning of prep, but I'm much leaner than I was at the beginning of prep. So I got a little bit of a, you know, some gains after it's the probably show. Probably going to take you guys 20 nice. weeks to fully recover. Honestly. Yeah. I still feel like, um, I'm still recovering. Um, and I still do have cardio and my food's not as high as I want right now, of course, and it will get higher. <laughs> um, but I started my prep at 134 pounds, so 20-week prep. My stage weight was 104 pounds. Damn. Yes, you heard that right, 104 pounds. <laughs> so much I weighed. It's like a quarter was, of your body weight. <laughs> I was peeled. <laughs> she had she had striations in her glutes. I don't know. First if they, show, yeah. amazing. So uh, yeah, I was peeled, <laughs> and I'm not anymore. Uh, my weight now is in the high 130s. But now you're healthy. But now I fit in my clothes again. <laughs> so going back for our listeners here, if any of you have ever smoked weed and got that bottomless pit feeling, <laughs> like when you smoke weed, like you can't stop eating, multiply that by like 15 or 20. That's how much your drive to eat is after you get done with your first show, especially. There's just no off switch. And you know, a little thought experiment. Imagine... I'm not saying I've done this, but imagine smoking weed and being that hungry from being after the show. Yeah. I'm not saying you did that. Um, yeah. Like <laughs> say you went to IHOP or something and you ate like four entrees and passed out in the booth. Like <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I, crazy. I was there for that. You, it was so funny. He, this guy was lying on his back on top of like a booth or two chairs and yeah. his arms was sprawled out behind his head. I literally fell asleep. I was so fucked I, up. I had to drive you home after your first show. Yep. He was so fucked <laughs> I up. I wasn't after even I high had, that time. Yeah. Wasn't even high, but he was <laughs> high off food. But it uh, sounds like blue does more of a recovery style than a reverse diet. Is, does that sound right? Well, I mean, so he, he gave us freedom for the first couple of weeks, right? So he, 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 did, a reco- he did a recovery diet. Just let you guys eat and fill so, up. So for me, I, um, my plan after the show was to follow my diet from three days out. And with food that low, it was just extremely hard for me to follow. So uh, we tried something different and he gave me a different reverse diet with um, incorporating foods that I was craving, like fruit, peanut butter, um, some other things. Uh, some wonderful foods there. Yeah. And still... Yeah. Uh, I would maybe follow the reverse for like three days and then I would have a day where it just completely fell off plan and he would know about it. Um, I would not send check-in photos or delay his responding to some of his messages. And it was hard. I felt really guilty. Um, But 
now I feel like it's getting easier. I'm getting more under control um, with food and the reverse is going a lot better. That's, that's really good to hear. I think everybody's first recovery after a show might be harder than their actual dieting down almost or controlling that. It's yeah, almost it like there's no was. off switch. It, it was for Ashley. Vacuum for sure. cleaner. She, yeah, went, so, she was perfect for 20 weeks and then it was just woo. Yeah. Post show you're, you're technically still dieting and you have to keep dieting. Like You have to build your metabolism back up and slowly increase your body weight. Did yeah. Blue, that's the way you're supposed to do it. And I mean, it doesn't always work that way. And yeah. it didn't for me. I mean, I, I personally can like, I can get away with eating a lot of food pretty quick after the show. Cause like I said, I, I got a pretty fast metabolism and I'll burn through it. And I don't this time around this rebound after the show was, it was really good. I didn't turn into a water Buffalo. You know, I, um, I got up to a body composition where I could train hard again. And then I've just been progressing my strength and weights from there. And it's been very effective, but like, if I really restricted myself and sort of really gradually tapered up calories, like I don't think it would have been as effective because like I was, I was in really good condition, arguably over dieted. Maybe I, I lost a little bit of muscle at the end, which is, you know, it happens if you really want to get in good shape, it happens. Um, Go check out Sue's pictures on his Instagram. Yeah. Striated. Pretty cool. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Nothing like a bunch of guys checking out another guy's butt. Um, so yeah, I mean, if I, I benefited from feeding myself up really quick there, which is nice. Cause you know, I wanted to eat a bunch of shit. Um, but, uh, I mean, like, like I said, after a couple of weeks, I was back on a plan, um, and, and following it. It was sufficient food. I was still, I still had a high appetite, but I was following it. Right. And, you know, I made, I think I was eating like 600 grams of carbs on that diet after two weeks post-show and then we bumped it up to like 800 a couple weeks after that and that's where i'm still at and um my appetites you're 800 grams a day of carbs yeah yeah and how many were you down to for the show um you know i actually didn't go super low um i think the lowest i would go was like 80 grams of carbs on a, a low day rest day so like i'm not training i would just have like a little bit of rice in all my meals right um but a training day, the lowest I'd probably go is like 150. Still um, pretty high. Yeah, I mean, I keep in mind though, I started off the diet eating like 800, 850 grams of carbs or something like that. Uh, I was I was following a meal plan at the beginning, and Blue took it over, and he was like, "Okay, we're chopping 100 grams of carbs," and I started dropping weight like a rock. You know, it, it was it was pretty autopilot for me. I don't. I don't struggle to drop weight like some people do, um, which is which is really good when it comes to showtime. But it's a bitch when in the off season when you got to stuff your face. But um, so yeah, food just kind of goes up from here, um, and I know it's going to get really really high in the off season this time around. Um, did Blue keep any cardio in for you guys in the reverse diet, or did he cut it completely? I, I kept on doing it. Ashley kept on doing it. Same so. amount. Yeah. So I've always had more cardio than Stuart, probably mostly because, well, we are two different people. Um, this was my first prep, but I also probably started at a higher body fat than he did. Um, but right now I have 
40 minutes of cardio, 20 in the morning and 20 post-workout. And that's probably the highest it will get. Um, it's probably just going to go down from here. Yeah, I'm still doing 15 minutes fasted in the morning. I just go outside and go for a walk. It's really easy. Just um, basically steps. Yeah, and um, I really like it. You know, I it wakes me up in the morning. I'm I don't like to get out of the bed like a lot of people. I remember um, walking into you and like one morning at like four thirty a.m. in the morning. Yeah, you remember <laughs> when, we, when we lived here in the same complex. I would like came across Stu in the same kind of like roundabout around the apartment complex on the road. I was like, Stu, what are you doing up this early? Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. Doing up this early. I'm <laughs> um, going for a brisk walk. Oh yeah, there's plenty of times where I would walk. We live on a hillside in our complex, and we would walk down the hill. We kind of do the same loop. Sometimes we would change it up, but once or twice I would come across Connor. He was just uh, taking out the trash at like 4.30 a.m. <laughs> Pitch black outside. I don't know. A body-sized bag. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy motherfucker. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but I've, I've kept that in after the show, and I think it's helped my composition stay much better. And like I said, it, it just it feels good. Um, better for the heart. Yeah, cardio yeah, is good, good for, for the heart. heart. Most important muscle in your body, guys. Absolutely. I, I have neglect. I've never done that in the off season. I've never done cardio. I barely eat any vegetables. Uh, this is all shit that I need to be better. You with. need to watch more Sesame Street. The Veggie Monster <laughs> tells you about those those uh, vegetables. I like the Cookie Monster a little better. I agree. I agree. So we have three questions that we ask all of our guests at the end of the show. So you guys can, you know, skip these if you need to. Um, but here's here's the three questions. What's your favorite book? You first, Ashley. <laughs> yeah, or what's a book you're reading? What's a book you'd recommend to our listeners? Or how about like a if you don't have a book, your favorite Maybe. learning resource or po- podcast. podcast to be more modern. Well, your favorite podcast would be Blue Collar Fitness, but what would be your second favorite podcast? Ah, <laughs> uh, so I haven't gotten to into many books um, in the last year. I mean, half that year I was dieting, and I just—I don't know if it's because I didn't have the energy to read, or I just didn't find it fulfilling. There are books I do want to read, like um, self improvement books or like motivational stuff. I might want to get into, and I just haven't. Looked into it a lot. Um, I did do a lot of listening to podcasts, which I still do now, probably every day. Um, I do listen to Blue Collar Fitness, of course. Let's um, go. Bodybuilding and Bodybuilding and Bullocks by Fuad Abiyad. I'm sure if you listen to this podcast, you know what podcast that is. Um, it's a great podcast. They do shoot a lot of shit, <laughs> a lot of bro talk, but I still find it entertaining. Um there's some others like Rough, Rugged, and Raw, uh, Mind Pump. Let's go. We love Mind we love. Pump. Just to name a few. Do you want to pump your stamina? <laughs> yeah, prepare to get your mind pumped. Mind we pump. love them. That's yeah. a good selection. Shout out actually. to Adam Schaefer for helping mm-hmm. us out with this podcast. Oh, uh, one more podcast. Uh, well, there's Iron Culture. And I do listen to Jim Mahaley's podcast. It's um, Gosh, the name of it. Grow or Die podcast. I listen to that as well. Grow or Die. How about you, Stu? My turn? Um, okay, well, I actually have a book. Some books. Um, so you know how the, the Witchers came out on Netflix last oh, yeah. year? Remember that show? 
I didn't really like the show all that much, but you liked the books. I just, I decided to go and read the books. I played the games before and I played the shit out of the Dude, games. Henry Cavill has to be one of the most jacked actors I've ever seen. That's I watches He's it. a total nerd too. He's a Warhammer fan. Um, I've also read a couple Warhammer books, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed reading the Witcher books. Like they're all translated from Polish and not very well sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, the really good story and like they're they're very witty and dry with their humor and stuff. And um that was that last actual book that I read. It was a while ago now. But um besides that, I listen I, I binged through a bunch of podcasts um by this guy named Dan Carlin. Uh it's called Hardcore History. Um and basically what he does it's is a dollar an episode, right? Yeah, yeah. And he has a couple he has a bunch of free ones. Um he just finished putting out uh, the War in the Pacific series, uh, Supernova in the East. But anyways, basically what he does is he, he takes a, a time period in history and he'll, he'll turn it into like a narrative. He'll have like, you know, famous historical people, figures, like they'll be like characters and he really tries to flesh them out and, you know, weave this story together to make history really interesting. Yeah, for- he has great enthusiasm and really brings life to different uh, periods in ancient history, which makes it more interesting for me, at least. Yeah, and like I'm, I don't, I don't want to read a giant tome on history, but listening to him, you know, give this sort of pop culture history um, story, it's basically he's reading a really cool story to you, and you know, he, he reads the quotes and all that stuff. I really like it, so I just binge through all those. What was your favorite historical period that he sort of animated Ooh. for you? The the Genghis Khan series was really good, but I think um, there was one that he did on uh, Julius Caesar and his campaign in Gaul um, in like eighty thirty or like thirty six BC or something. People, that's like in that. France, by the way. Yeah, that's old school France. So yeah, that, that series was really cool because I was listening to it um, the night before the show, before the Emerald Cup. I was just trying to kill time in between meals overnight. And I was just like, okay, I guess I'll listen to this podcast. And I've been listening to him a lot at that point. So it's always going to stick in my head because <laughs> I was doing it at the show. All right. What's, what's the next hot, hot question you got for us? Hot topic question. If you could give your younger self advice, one piece. what would it be? Yeah. One piece. We don't want to go off on a tangent here. Don't get complacent. Work hard and the results will show. One day it'll all pay off. Super cheesy, but I stick to it. <laughs> I got to think of something less cheesy. Um, oh, I got I like cheese. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> um, I'd say stop giving a fuck about what other people think about you. Um, a couple of years ago, I, made, I kind of decided to stop being quite self-conscious, which is you know, easier said than done. But, I mean, it's, it's important to have that trait if you're doing this sport because what you do is weird. Yeah, There's not, no way around it. Not everybody is going to support what you're doing, but if bodybuilding truly makes you happy, you should do that for yeah, yourself. But this is, it's not just about bodybuilding, though. You know, it just do what you want to do as yeah. long as you're not stepping on anybody's toes. You know, don't let your perception that others are judging you get in the way of what you what you want to do or who you want to be absolutely agree with that and i still struggle with it you know i'm not 
I'm not like a, I, I'm not completely confident in myself all the time, but I'm a lot better than I used to be. And I'm more myself as a result. I think it's a sign of maturity. Just go into a locker room. Old people don't give a fuck at all about what you think about. Them. Exactly. <laughs> just walking yeah. around with their dick out, you know. And I, I remember Reading the like, newspaper. You go to the gym and you see Wearing people. Wearing a shirt, washing his balls in the seat. Exactly. <laughs> you see, you go to the gym, you see oh people like God. that, like, man, he's really, like, I wish I could be like that. He really doesn't care. No that self-awareness. Must, must be so, so freeing to be like that. And you, you can choose to be like that. Right. I kind of realized that. So I just, I kind of decided to do that. As best you know, as best I could, and I've been a lot happier as a result of it. Oh, another another advice piece of advice I'd give myself from about a year ago is: don't watch the news, uh, don't get into politics. It's stupid. <laughs> makes you angry. There's honestly enough politics, and the higher you go up in competitive bodybuilding, <laughs> yeah, I'll get that's my, a whole different podcast. Mm, yeah, um, whole another episode. Yeah, just just the. Uh, the trees you know enjoy life a little more <laughs> last one best one if you could meet anyone alive or dead who would it be uh for me the youngest ifbb pro figure competitor uh to turn pro uh she turned pro at 17 years old I'm natalia sure abraham coelho who's been to olympia i think she got third last wow. year perhaps um she's younger than me savage insanely <laughs> impressive and i look up to her a lot um just she has phenomenal shape and symmetry and she still has um a feminine aspect to her that i really like and if you look at her like when she was 16 or 17 um you know she she didn't look like a genetic freak or anything she was like you know, she had good structure good shape for bodybuilding right but like that's somebody where like you look at them when they were smaller and then you look at them when they're bigger and at the top of the game, you're like, it kind of makes you believe in yourself. Like, Oh, I kind of look like that right now. Maybe I'll look like this if I get bigger and keep on working. Those kinds of people are really encouraging. I think my person would probably be uh, Evan Santapani. Wow. Okay. I think Evan Santapani is the coolest bodybuilder um, because he's not cool at all. He's like, he's like your dad. You know, he, he, I mean, he doesn't even compete anymore, but like everybody in the sport respects him. Um, there's those iconic photos of him with, with animal, uh, the black and white gym shoots and stuff, which I think are so cool. So if um, we get either of those on the show, would you guys be co-guests or co-hosts with us? In a heartbeat. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. You guys have anything you want to add? Uh, just want to say for hosting us uh, the blue collar fitness podcast and for also the great intro in the beginning um thank you so much for having us on yeah Absolutely. it's been uh welcome we've been planning on doing this for a little while now how long have you guys been doing this podcast now this is episode 37 and we started 14 months ago over a year now right? entire year crazy crazy good, good. so if you guys want to follow uh Stu or ash uh, can you guys shout out your instagrams yeah, so mine is Ashley with two Y's, because one Y was taken. Uh, Ashley with two Y's underscore Hauser, and that's spelled H-A-U-S-E-R. Um, I don't post frequently, but once in a while, I'll throw something out there. Uh, Stuart, your Instagram is? Mine is beef underscore stew underscore 97. 
the uh, the beef stew nickname was some bullshit I got in lacrosse when I was a kid, and it stuck. So I love it. All right, that's everything, guys. Thanks, Josh. Thank, thanks, yeah, thanks for having us. Great episode fun. number thirty-seven, and uh, we're out. Peace.